The End of Politics Politics is the curse of mankind. The politicization of civil discourse and of commerce not to mention religion divides reality unnaturally. Divide and conquer is destructive when the division is artificial. Politics is about governance. This is simple enough. It is not governance that is the problem. The devil is in the details. Government that divides and creates artificial constituencies produce subjects. This desire to govern poses an insurmountable problem for those who wish to govern. No one wants to be governed. No one wishes to be subject to the dictates of others. Governance has, in fact, no commercial value. Therefore, in order to create and maintain itself as a state, governments must operate what is effectively a scam. When it comes to creating subjects, democracy is indispensable. If a company has nothing to sell, it assumes the form of what is known as a multi-level marketing scheme. These kinds of operations are also referred marketing pyramids. A state is a pyramid and exists to help subjects get the help they need. In MLM clients are promised help with what they need. But there is a catch. The prospect has to sign up new members. The client cannot be helped until he or she has helped others. But because the return promised is high compared to the investment required, this qualification is often overlooked. The obligation to sign up participants to earn a dividend is why MLM is also referred to as a pyramid scheme. At some point, there are no other members to sign up or the ones who paid in become disillusioned to the point they cease participating. A ripple effect occurs and the scheme ceases to attract enough people to pay its bills. At this point, the scheme collapses. Governments supply services no one wants to pay for because the services provided by the state are social services. A social service is a service indirectly paid for without limitations on its use. Parks are an example of a social good. A park is an amenity provided by the state that everyone pays for, but few want. A park consists of a plot of land with various facilities. It is a place everyone can freely enjoy, but very few do. Lack of use may be due to disinterest or accessibility issues. Private parks are limited in what they can provide, at a price people are willing to pay. Public parks that operate as a pay-as-you-go facility have the same economic issues as private parks. By paying for the benefit out of general revenues, facilities are not limited by use. However, to provide this free service every citizen is required to pay a portion of the cost, regardless of whether they use the park or not. Which means the majority of people pay for something they never use. They do this to give a benefit to a small number of persons. Most people would not agree to this if they had the choice. By opening parks in various locations and extolling the benefits, the state can get people to feel they are getting something for nothing. People forget about the parks they pay for but will never use. If all the state did was provide parks, it would meet a lot of resistance. But the number of goods and services the state can supply is almost unlimited. If you do not need a park, you need roads, sewers, policing and so on. Some people will sign up for the park to be established, 
many others are disinterested in the park but will agitate for other benefits. These benefits are demanded as an alternative to the parks they do not use. By providing more benefits to more people, more people will demand more benefits best suited to them. The people want to gain more value in social benefits than what they pay for. The competition is every other citizen. Every citizen is demanding the state provide more benefits from the general revenues targeting a particular group's needs. Gradually every group has their package of goods and services provided to them by the government and which they cannot do without. As they enjoy these public benefits, they find themselves paying for the other goods and services the state provides that are not beneficial to them. They all hate paying taxes, but they all want others to give up their package of benefits whilst they retain their own. The tax burden is a cost the taxpayer pays to enjoy free benefits. It's akin to free TV gained at the cost of having to watch whatever ads the supplier wishes to show. But the real cost is the loss of civility bred by the competition for free benefits. Incivility leads to a decline in civilized behavior. Without civility we are beasts controlled only by raw power. Without civility the pyramids of power become steeper. A civilization in decay relies on ethical systems of regulation and less on traditional common law. Relationships based on quid pro quo soon collapse in a bitter feud. Without civility we are lost. Humans are civil beings, not social. We are, in our best version, civilized not just juxtaposed together in groups. It is not enough to just tolerate each other. Civil society creates civilization and the more civil the higher the civilization. But civility is more than just manners. Civility is a shared objective to which our behavior becomes subordinate to. This is what people miss about manners. Manners are not just meaningless traditions. Manners facilitate a project's completion. Britain was not a nation, it was an occupation. Britain existed as a common identity that had to be fashioned from the work of its peoples. This is why patriotism is so important and nationalism is contagious. People need meaning in their life. Work dedicated to a higher purpose inspires us. When people become cynical and avaricious civilization decays. When people cease to work towards an end, more is consumed than is built. Just as individuals cannot live on debt, peoples cannot live on the accomplishments of the past. The dilemma of man is whether to have a strong leader or to have freedom. It is a false juxtaposition. Democracy was developed as a mediator between autocrat and mob. The power of the leader is moderated by the power of the electorate to remove him or her. But the mob still wants freedom while it fears its own lack of control. A conservative is believer in civility. It is often expressed as a support from the traditional way of doing things. The true test of a conservative is his willingness to subordinate his personal interests to the aspirations of a group. This group identity is the church. The greatest of all leaders cannot be compensated. The greatest leaders leave a legacy behind them that is forever remembered. The personal identity of the leader is buried deep in the identity of the group he or she promoted. 
Poor leaders consume more than they produce. Their work produces insufficient value to compensate what they use for their personal benefit. A poor leader may leave their nation destitute and their country in ruins because of their profligate spending. The church is the ultimate expression of conservatism. The church is the purest example of a shared purpose to which individual ambition can be sublimated. It is this common cause that eliminates the need for autocrats. The church is as a body, not a corporation. The creators of value have a right and even duty to control and administrate the value they have generated. Conversely no one has the right to make or attempt to make, impose or authorize any claim against value or property not created by them. This principle must be recognized to create the church. If politics is the administration of the public wheel and the public wheel includes all property existing within a political jurisdiction, democracy is a demonstration of might makes right and of the claim that the end justifies the means. Democracy as a manifestation of the people's will is not much more than the power of the mob organized to elect a representative. But the people have no greater claim to the property of the state than has the mob. The legitimacy of a democracy is in the physical might of the people to impose their will on any minority of dissenters, including those who create the wealth. Does quantity override quality when speaking of persons? This is not true when it comes to any other area. Why does it apply to politics? The power of the many does not override technology or truth or expertise when it comes to building homes, curing sickness, or determining what the facts are. Why do majorities decide who is the fittest to govern? The authors of a discipline are the authorities in that discipline. Those who produce the product are the authors of that product and the authority on how best the job ought to be accomplished. They have natural authority. Heuristics is the art of enabling people to discover truth for themselves. The thing we must each discover is our place in the world. This cannot be dictated to us. A society that dictates roles is not a civil society. This is fascism. Fascism lacks civility. To be civil we must form the church. We must be civil, meaning we must systematically reduce our illegitimate claims on others and rely on the value we produce. Only when we respect property rights to God and man can we embrace the civility that produces civilized living and progress.